Okay, the parsha is uh, the last parsha in the book of Shmot, which is called Pikudei. Which is called Pikudei. What I'd like to talk about, what I'd like to look at today, is the role of Betzalel in building the Mishkan. The role of Betzalel in building the Mishkan. So the first, uh, the first psukim in Peshmot Perik Lamed Aleph. That's uh, in Parasha of Kitisa, right? The last parashiot of the Torah, Truma, Ditzaveh, Kitisa, Vayakel Pekude. I mean, you should be able to, should memorize that. That and 1492. <laughs> if you know those two things, you do anything. Uh, 1492 is very good. It's a very important date. It has nothing to do with America. The or with, uh, the expulsion what? expulsion of Jews from Spain. It's what? The expulsion of the Jews from Spain. You're kidding. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Sorry. Yeah, but besides that, it has great importance in intellectual Jewish history. Like everything before 1492 was reasonable. And after 1492, everything became Kabbalah. You know, because that was one way that the Jews dealt with disaster. Because Kabbalah straightened everything out, I guess. Not that I'm an expert, but it seems that way. So look at the Psukim, Perik Lamed Aleph, the parish of Kitisa. This is the, 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 the Perik before the Perik about the Egel, the Chaita Egel, the sin of the, of the golden calf. By the Be'er Sheva Moshe Limor, Pasuk Aleph. Pasuk Bet. Re'ei karati b'shei b'tzalel ben Uri ben Chul levatei Yehuda. Now I would say, Re'ei, right? Re'ei, behold. I, 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 you know, behold is like, a, like a, a word that fits into a blank space. It's like a, a theatrical direction. Behold, like, you know, you ever see in plays, the author has to put in parentheses, happy, sad, Concerned, right? You have to, it was the words don't always tell you what the feeling in the room was. Mm-hmm. The word ire is a word like that. It's, it's not a word of content, but it's a word of attitude, of feeling. Behold, I mean, like who says behold? Karate b'shem. Now that's also interesting. Karate b'shem. What does it mean to call somebody by a name? I mean, what did his mother call him? Did his mother call him B'tzalel? What's Karati B'Shem? It could mean, Karati B'Shem could mean, I gave him a job, I designated him as a function. And we'll see that that makes sense later when we learn the, when we learn the Gemara's interpretation. But Raji says, La sot milachti, I called him to do my labor at B'tzalel. I called B'tzalel to do what I wanted him to do. And here he's given, you know, the first time he's introduced us in the manner of the Tanakh. It's father's name, his grandfather's name. They were important people. Not only did he come from an important tribe, but he was the son of and the grandson of important uh, people. Right? Uri and Chorlemate Yehuda. Yehuda as we know, is the biggest tribe, the most important tribe, the tribe from which the king of Israel was going to come. All of that is Matei Yehuda. Lim Matei Yehuda. And then there is his recommendation. 
right? Usually the recommendation is written out before he's chosen, but here the recommendation comes after he's chosen. Pasuk Gimel, Vamalei Oto Ruach Elokim. Vamalei Oto Ruach Elokim. Now that, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds very important. It's like prophecy. Prophecy is, after all, uh, the exposing God's will. God makes the prophet. The prophet does. The prophet can work to make himself, but at the end of the day, as the Rambam says, prophecy is bestowed. You can be worthy of prophecy, but that doesn't mean it will be bestowed upon you. You have to distinguish these two things. The Rambam clearly tells us what we have to do if we want to be a candidate for prophecy. But at the end of the day, it is God that determines who the prophet is. So here you have B'Tzalel. It sounds like prophecy, like some sort of special connection. These are words that could be considered synonyms. Synonyms means I wish I knew the difference between them, but I can't explain it exactly. Right? So there's Chochmah, which is a word that's often connected to Torah. Right? Tvuna is the word Bina, which is also a kind of level of wisdom. Bina and Chochmah, uh, Tvuna, Ubedat. Right? We, we make that brochet, Shmona Esrei. Like we recognize the fact somehow that understanding is divine. Right? I don't mean in the Greek sense, but in some other sense. It was like, it's more like prophecy. We're, we're amazed that we understand things. We're amazed that we want to look into things. We see that as being part of the divine in the human, in the human being. So that's ubekolmelacha, that somehow all of this knowledge and wisdom and understanding is kind of goes into engineering, right? You know, you could be an, you could be a smart engineer. That's what that's what the pasuk says. So Rashi said Rashi has some way of explain, explaining all these words. Rashi says chokma. Is Masha Adam Shomea Meacharim, Chachma is what you, you learn from a teacher. Teacher tells you this is what you do, one and one is two, two and two is four. You learn, you learn that from a teacher. Tvuna is Mevin Devar Melivo, Betoch Tvarim Shalamat. He thinks about what he learns and he comes to independent conclusions. Now, this is very important. Very important what Rashi says, that there are different levels of understanding. The third is Dat. And Rashi said, Ruach HaKodesh. In other words, you, you get to understand things and you don't really understand how you understood them. Right? You know, they become, they become uh, very, very special. Pasuk Dalit. Pasuk Dalit. This is all about, we're talking about B'Tzalel, right? We're talking about B'Tzalel. Pasuk Dalit, Lachashov Machshavot, Lachashov Machshavot. But people do. I mean, they think. I mean, why is this so emphasized by Batsala? Why couldn't you just say he had a degree in engineering from MIT? But after all this, this kind of, it's a little, little extensive. He was able to work with metals. 
precious metals and less precious metals. And a lot of the beta, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was built with metals also, not only, but with metals. Uh, okay, Becharoshet Eben, Lemalot Becharoshet Eitz, like you knew how to work with stone, how to chisel out parts of the stone so you could add things to it. The same thing with, with wood. You could chisel the wood and chisel the stone. And all of this, I mean, I, mean, it, I, find, it, I find it annoying. I mean, why do we have to know all of this? Obviously, if he was able to build the Mishkan, he was able to build, his, he knew how to do whatever he had to know how to do. Why does the Torah have to tell us that? I mean, we're not, uh, we're not builders. We're not in a, uh, in a, in a, uh, a course. Pasuk Vav. You see Pasuk Vav? Va'ani hinei natati ito et oliyav. Ben achisamach l'matei dan. And then the Kodesh Baruch says that uh, Betzalel is Moshe Rabbeinu's assistant. Now Betzalel, he also needs an assistant. His assistant is oliyav. So this, you know, in the, in the manner of, of, uh, of learning, like the way we look, it's like, what do I have to mention him for? And why do I have to know that he's from the tribe of Dan? And, you know, all of this becomes like an excess of details that don't really yield anything to me. I mean, why do I have to know that the assistant to Betzalel's name was Oliabin, that he came from the tribe of Dan. What content is there? I mean, I'm looking, when I learn Torah, I always look for some sort of content. I look for something that I can grab onto and that me, it's meaningful to me in the place that I find myself. And this is not, this is not the case. I have like too much information here. And then there are other people. There's Bitzalel, there's Oliav, and there are other people. And they're all very smart, and they all have good connection to God, and they're able to figure it out. Right? You know that it's not so easy if you don't know how to read a blueprint to reproduce whatever the blueprint tells you to, tells you to make. The same thing was true with building the Mishkan. God said build the Mishkan. And so in the Mishkan there's a menorah. Right? So... That doesn't do it, does it? I mean, you know, everybody knows what a medurah looks. A medurah. A menorah, I'm sorry. A menorah, a candelabrum. Everybody can picture in their minds a candelabrum, but everyone's picture will be different. Well, how do you know how to make it? How do you know how to make it? You know that today, since the discovery, there's a discovery of a manuscript that the Rambam wrote in which there's a picture of the menorah of Hanukkah, which is triangular. You know, so the Lubavitcher Rebbe got very excited about that, and he thought that that was must be the way it really it really looked. Even though I mean, I, I want to remind you that the Rambam lived some time after the destruction of the temple, and the Rambam himself never saw the menorah. But he, there is a picture in the manuscripts of the of the parish Mishnayos of the menorah that supposedly was in the Beit Hamikdash, and it's triangular. So the Chabadikim got into that. And so they all have triangular menorahs. And since the Chabadnikim got into it, everybody else said, no, impossible, we're not going to do that. I will do it the way we used to do it, with round, kind of, what? 
you know, I mean, that's the, the Jews. More than they like to find out what the truth is, they like to fight about it. <laughs> so, so that's where that's where we're holding. Uh, but but uh, I'm thinking a simple thing, and a simple thing like the menorah. Well, of course, you have the Ark of <coughs> Triumph. Isn't that what it's called? The, well, it's one in Rome and one in Paris or something. You know. Oh, Titus is up. Yeah. And so that's also menorah. The menorah there is the menorah there is round. Right. Right, this kind of menorah. But of course, why should I pay attention to that? That was probably chiseled out by a non-Jew. Because Salah was long gone and Oliav was long gone. So who they have? They had like Michelangelo showing the, the, the menorah on the thing. Well, you know, he was a good chiseler but he wasn't a great scholar I think who knows he may have turned out to be a great scholar so we have all these details we have all these details <coughs> this is what he had to make he had to make the oil moed which is the tent in which the Kodesh Kadashim was right he had to build an ark and in the ark they put the edut, the witness. The edut is, edut is the aseret that they brought. The luchot ha'edut they're called. Luchot ha'edut. They, they, they give witness to the fact that there was a matan Torah. What we call it, what's called in English a theophany. And it means that everybody in B'nai Yisrael, above Sivan, Vav Sivan, the six days of Sivan, sixth day of Sivan, everybody in Am Yisrael knew that God was giving a Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. God was giving Torah to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe it was like It was like an awareness. They all knew it. They all knew it. And that's why the Luchot were known as Eidut. They were the Eidut, the witness for the Torah. Even though the, the Luchot themselves were not the entire uh, Torah. Pasuk 8. Veta Shulchan Bet Kelavet Amenorato Rabbit Kokelevet Mizbachakno. These are things that he had to make. The table, everything connected to it. The candelabrum, the pure candelabrum. Pure candelab, uh, candelabrum. She says, I'll shame Zahab Tahor. Why was the candelabrum? It's a problem, a reading problem. Why was the candelabrum called pure? Right, everything was pure. <coughs> so he said, no, it's pure means pure gold. I don't know what that means. As I said on another occasion, I think that gold is very soft. You can't have pure gold. You have to mix it in with something else to make it harden so that it'll stay on your finger, right? If you have a ring, otherwise it'll just collapse. But th- that's, what, that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. So these psukim at the end, Zion, Chet, Tet, Yud, are a list of all the things that Betzalel and Oliav and the Chachmeleim, all the things that they had to do together. Right? Let's go to Shmot Perik Lavadei. Shmot Perik Lavadei, the next section on the uh, on the sheet. This is God, the first section was God talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. God talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, we're going to get you an assistant, B'tzalah. We'll get him an assistant, Aliyah. And I'm going to tell him that he has to make all this stuff that we talked about previously. Again, how many parashiot at the end of Shemot? 
Truma de Tzavev, Kitiso, Vayakel, Pekude. Truma de Tzavev are the parashiyot of making the Mishkan that God told Moshe Rabbeinu. Kitiso is the parasha that has the uh, appointing of Bitzalel and Oliav to actually do it. Right? And parasha, our parasha, Pekude, Vayakel, Pekude, has Moshe Rabbeinu commanding, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the parish says that Betzalel and Oliyah, they did it. They did what they were supposed to do. Those are the three places. It's interesting that here, before it says Re'eh, now it says Re'u. Right? It's also something. You mean one is singular and one is plural? No, just the, they're using the same verb, the same root. Yeah, they use the same word. Well, why not? No, because you said it, it makes it more... Uh, Dramatic or something. Oh, I said that? <laughs> like, behold. behold. You use the word behold. Yeah. So for a eh, but now they're using the same word again. So I don't know. Sometimes you speak to Benita, I mean, swell, because sometimes you only speak to Moshe. No, no, I, 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 wait a second. I, I think you're right, but say something. I don't know. I'm just. Oh, come on. I don't know. I don't, I don't well, you just can't bother us. You have to say, help us out. Well, one is singular, one is plural. Okay, good. That's a start. Right. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It certainly is. The singular is God talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? I had a question about why you need the word re'e at all. Right. Because it's nothing to see, it's a directive. I appointed Bitzalel to do the work. There's nothing, there's no re'e involved. So if you say behold, you don't mean you see something, it means you become aware of something. Mm. Right? But then at the end where it says re'u, it may be that we're talking about really seeing. Okay. In which case it would be a different word. It looks like the same word. But it's not? But I don't think so. Like in, in, the, in the Oxford English Dictionary, no, one I, would I be number saying. 72, meaning, and the other would be one number 96, meaning. You know, it would be just different. It looks the same, it sounds the same, and maybe they have the same origin in some way, but they're different. They are different. So now look at the next... Uh, Oh, we just did that. Look at the Shemot Perik Lamedal. Did you see the next pasuk? Yes. The next, ca- I'm sorry, the next section. One, two, three. The third section. Just the first, first pasuk, even though they're all interesting. Vayoma Hashem HaMoshe Psalecha Shnei Luchot Avanim Tarishonim Vikatavti Ela Luchot Etatvarim Asher Ayu Ala Luchot Tarishonim Asher Shibarta God said to Moshe, Psalecha. What is Psalecha? What do you do to stones? You use them, right? Chisel. You take a chisel and you, you somehow chisel them into a shape that you're interested in. So psal lecha, you for yourself, chisel out the stones. What stones? The same stones, that, the same kind of stones that I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, gave you when you were in Har Sinai. You came down from Har Sinai you didn't have a place to put the stones, so you broke them. Right? Do you remember? Moshe Rabbeinu broke the stones when he came down and he saw what was going on in the camp. And then, 40 days later, Rosh Chodesh Elul, Rosh Chodesh Elul, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, now come back up a second time and we'll do it over again. Except that there's one 
very serious difference between one and two. In one, Moshe Rabbeinu went up empty-handed and he received the Luchot from HaKadosh Baruch. Yes? And two, Moshe Rabbeinu went up, but he was told by HaKadosh Baruch to bring stones with him. It's easy enough to understand that there must be some essential distinction between number one and number two. But the thing that I want to get out of that pasuk now, the thing I want to get out of the pasuk, that Moshe Rabbeinu could do it. Mm. He could do it. He couldn't build a mishkan. He needed help. He needed Bitzalel. He needed Uri. But here it came to Chizikat Stone. Now, I don't know about you, but what I think, when I see those you know, guys sitting in the street chiseling away at the stones, when they build a building, you know, they put this in Yerushalayim, they still put stone facing on buildings. So they usually have some guys sitting on the ground with the stones, chiseling them out and making them all the same size. I couldn't do that. I mean, you have to know how to do that. What reason would you think that Moshe Rabbeinu could do it? I mean, he was Moshe Rabbeinu, yes, but he wasn't a stonemason. He wasn't, you know, so in other words, you have this odd thing that you have a reference to Moshe Rabbeinu as being an artisan, as having a certain kind of talent that you would not think he had from the psukim about the Mishkan. The psukim of the Mishkan seem to indicate here that Salah, he knows how to do it. Implication that you, Moshe Rabbeinu, don't know how to do it. And even if you're not going to do it, but you're going to tell somebody else to do it, it's good to have somebody in charge who knows how to do it. Right? That's a good idea. Even today, I mean, the people, people buy, you know, people in Israel love to buy apartments that don't exist. And then you have to get somebody to help you, like, when it comes into existence, make sure that you get what you thought you got. So, so the money that you save on prepaying for the apartment, you lose on hiring all kinds of people to help you get the apartment, you know, set right. So that's what the Pasuk says. Karishonim, meaning, what is Karishonim? Like the first ones. What does that mean? What does that mean? That Moshe Rabbeinu's capacity as a stonemason was kind of equal to God. Just like God did it, so you do it. I guess God did a good job on getting the two, the Luchot Avanim. But it says in the Pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do the same thing. He's going to do the same thing, and so, and so. This God talking. I will write on these luchot that you will chisel out et advarim the things, the words. So, in other words, in some ways, luchot shniim are similar to luchot rishonim. They can have the same content, the same importance, the same. Some, some level of, of, of understanding, right, the, the, the Luchot, but they're going to be different because they're chiseled out originally by Moshe Rabbeinu, indicating that Moshe Rabbeinu could do things that only an artisan could do, which brings me back to the problem of why exactly did I need B'tzalel? And if I needed B'tzalel, let's say, to make Moshe Rabbeinu's job easier, 
to make sure there'll be somebody else. So why do I have to have this long interlude where, where B'Tzalel is introduced and I understand and I talk about it? He, he says, uh, anyway, if you go back now to the previous, uh, to Pasuk Lamed, right? The previous section. We still don't have an answer, so why is it? Well, it's spoken by Moshe. We're talking to Bnei Israel. Here, talking to like Raul, plural. But there, it really means Raul. Well, it could also mean behold. I mean, since behold is like an empty word, it means whatever you say it means at that particular moment. Well, there are words like that, right? Like like there are noises that people make that are not exactly no. Like you laugh. You know, are you laughing because it's funny? Are you laughing because of irony? Are you laughing because you thought something that you heard someplace else? Well, laughing is uh, like not easy, not always easy. But you, you know, also the fact that he's making things, you see, you see the things he's making. He, he didn't make them yet. No, but all right. He didn't make them yet. Okay. You're right, but I don't think. I mean, uh, so it's not. It's, a, it's not for all like to see something. Maybe I don't know. Okay. I mean, so what, I, what I mean is that it's a word that is hard to define. Okay. Yeah, but you'll define it whichever way you think is, is right. So here, here there's a mention again of B'tzalel ben Uri ben Chulamatei Yehuda. Right? So in, if you go down to Pasuk Labedalit, it says, Lahorot natan belibohu v'oliyah ben achisamach lamatei dan. Lahorot. Lahorot. Well, what does that mean, Lahorot? I think Lahorot means to make a determination. Like, let's say there's some doubt. Here the menorah. Do I do it round or do it triangular? So along comes, along comes Bitzalel and he can decide. He has that ability. In, in other words, you have to imagine, I have to think of like, what did God tell Moshe Rabbeinu? And what did Moshe Rabbeinu tell Bitzalel? So God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make a menorah. And the menorah shaped seven kanims, seven, whatever you call them. And uh, yeah, and then in there you put in oil. But still, there was the question, how exactly did it look? Did God have to tell Moshe Rabbeinu how it looked exactly? Or did this, was there some opportunity for independent thinking? So that's lahorot. That's the pasuk, the word lahorot, pasuk lavadalit. Lahorot natan belebo. He gave in his heart this capacity to make a determination. That's like, who? That's great. B'tzalel. And suddenly the Torah says, and also Aliyah. What, what, what is this? What is this Aliyah guy? What's he doing, Bechlau? Why mention him? We've already taken Moshe Rabbeinu. We've taken Moshe Rabbeinu a little bit out of the picture. I mean, he gets the primary information, but it goes to B'tzalel who's going to implement it. So what do I need Aliyah? So Rashi, there's a very strange Rashi. You see the Rashi? Yeah. Right? It's on the left there. Aliyah. Mishavit Dan, Rashi says. The Torah emphasizes that he comes from the tribe of Dan. Dan. And Rashi says, Min HaYerudim SheBishvatim Mibnei HaShvachot. 
He says, this was like a miserable group, the tribe of Dan. Uh, miserable. Mibnei Hashvachot. They were one of the children. They were children of one of the, uh, you know, the, the other wives of Yaakov. He had like regular wives. And then he had concubines. No, wrong word. Yes, that's a word? Okay, you can have that word. Beishvachot. And God said, Yaliav is equal to Bitzalel. Bitzalel is from Yehuda. And Yehuda is the big tribe and the good tribe and the, the, all the leadership comes from Yehuda. He says, This is what is meant by the Pasuk in Eov. There's no difference between a rich and a, uh, a well-appointed person and a, and a poor and, and unfortunate, unfortunate people have a certain level of equality. So I would say, look, explain this Rashi. You understand? I mean, Rashi gets, the, gets it from, from Chazal. It's not, the, not an invention of Rashi. But why does Rashi quote it? In what way does that help us understand the pasuk? I mean, I understand there's some idea that people should be equal before the law, equal before God, or equal before prophecy. I mean, okay, that's good, but, but what's it got to do with the pasuk? What does that have to do with the pasuk? So I would say, I would say that this is an indication that Rashi also didn't understand why the pasuk had to tell me about Aholiyav. And so Rashi says, well, it's for another reason. It's not for the continuation of the story. It's not that this, that Oliav has some special importance that we can point to, right? It's just that uh, we learn something incidental. Rashi does this many times. Rashi does it many times, and, and I think it means that that he doesn't have a better explanation for the for the pasuk. He he justifies the pasuk in an ethical manner. It teaches me something of an eth of ethical importance, and that's important. But it's not what you would usually expect. What you usually expect is that the pasuk, the pasuk is is correct. Okay. Now there's the Gemara. I just want to look at the Gemara. Turn the page. You see the Gemara? Let me just. I I marked it out here. I don't like. I'm used to I'm used to a Gemara that looks like a Gemara, <laughs> but uh, but everything is changing. Everything is changing. So here in the Gemara, this is Gemara. The Gemara is in the Brachas Tav Nun Chet Amadala. Nun Hey Amadala. Thank you. Uh, you see, if you skip down, it, it, look at the second line. You see the second line. takes care of the communal affairs. You could call him a gaba, you call him a shamash, you could call him uh, a nasi. You, you give him a give him a title, but you also give him the power to make decisions for the community. There's a community, so let's say you have a shul, so somebody has to pay pay the bills, collect the debt, and, and, and make sure it's clean, all right? So that's a parnas. 
That's a parnas. Omar Rabbi Yitzchak Eimad Meidim parnas ala tzibur ela im kein nimlachim batzibur. Nimlachim batzibur, you have to consult. Right? You can't appoint somebody, like the important people get together, like in the shul that I go to. Uh, nobody's, nobody talks. Except for the people who are very important, they talk all the time. And you say, how come you're talking? They say, no, we're, ha- we're doing business for the shul. Which, you know, it's not clear what, uh, how that works, but they think it works. Omar Rav Yitzhak, Eim Adim Midim Paranas Al Tzibur Mkeim Nim Lachim Metzibur Yav Deh Asta Tzibur Shadamah And he quotes our Pasuk Re'u, you see Re'u? Karati, Kara Hashem B'Shem B'Tzalah Right, God called out to B'Tzalah Amar Lo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe Moshe HaGun Alecha B'Tzalah So God said to Moshe Rabbeinu you like B'Tzalel? Is he like a worthy associate for this business of building the Mishkan? Amar lo, Ribono Shalolam, im lefanecha hagul, lefanai lo kol If you, HaKadosh Baruch, would think that B'Tzalel is the right person for the job, so I certainly, I certainly concur. Amar lo, avopichein, lech emor lahem, in spite of that, Go and tell everybody else that Bezalel is going to be appointed. He went and told the people, What do you think? Is Bezalel, you think Bezalel is the right appointee to build the Beit HaMikdash? Uh, they said to him, to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you think it's all right, and God thinks it's all right, so I certainly think it's it's all right. So from this you learn, from this you learn. Amar Rav go back to the second line at the top. So again, the question that the Gemara, the Gemara looked at the parasha. And the Gemara had a problem. So how come we introduced the B'tzalel a couple of times? Why do we have to say, oh, here's B'tzalel, Moshe Rabbein, here's B'tzalel. Then again, look around and you see B'tzalel, the guy. Why does the Torah do that? Answer, to teach us a lesson. And that lesson is that, you know, Parnas al-Hatzibur, somebody who, has, who accepts that responsibility, has to have widespread approval. Now, you can't just force the person on, you know, on, onto your, uh, you can't force a person into the job. You have to have widespread approval. That's the first thing that the Gemara says about these psukim, right? So it deals with the question of why it says re'e, and then maybe why it says re'u, right? That was your point, right? Well, I, I noticed it, yeah. Okay. Are you noticing the Gemara? No, I noticed what we were reading before. Ah, yeah, good. So there you are. You're like the Gemara. But the other thing is, and not only that, but it was like, it wasn't just Stama building, it was the Mishkan. So that's all the more reason. I guess. I guess you have to factor it in. Everybody has to factor that in as they can. The second thing in the Gemara, you see the second thing is the first wide line. Omar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani Amar Rabbi Yonatan B'Tzalel Al Shein Chochmato Nikra. B'Tzalel, 
was given the name Bitzalel because of his Chochmah, his wisdom. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make me a Mishkan, meaning the building, the, the outer periphery, including the Chatzer, the, the courtyards. Yes, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make me number one in Mishkan, the entire thing, and Aaron, and Aaron, and second Aaron, and third, Kalim, other, other vessels. Halach Moshe v'hafach. Moshe Rabbeinu went and he did it the opposite way. In the parashah of Truma, which is the first one of the last five parashiyot of Shemot, right? The parashah of Truma. Alach Moshe v'hafach v'amalo asei Aaron v'keilim u'mishkan. He said to B'tzalel, you B'tzalel, make the Aaron, make the Kalim, make the Mishkan, in that order. First an Aaron, then Kalim, then the vessels, then the Mishkan, then build all the big structure around it, around it. Uh, Aaron, Kalim, Mishkan, Amalo, Moshe Rabbeinu, Amalo, Moshe Rabbeinu, Amalo, Moshe Rabbeinu. So B'tzalel said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't get it. Normally, people buy a house or build a house, and then they buy a sofa. They don't buy a sofa when they don't have a house. So why are you telling me, why are you telling me to build the Aron before I build the Mikdash? That's B'tzalel's question to Moshe Rabbeinu. Adam b'nei b'ayit v'chakam v'chlis v'toi keilim. V'atau man, you Moshe Rabbeinu, you say aseli aron v'keilim u'mishkan. That's what you said, make the keilim first. I make the aron first, I'm sorry. I say the aron v'keilim u'mishkan. Keilim sh'aniyo seh, B'tzalel says, these keilim that I built, or the Aron that I make, Leheichon Achni Sein. Where will I put them? Huh? Where will I put them? Yes, but that's not the, the that's not the, what the, the point of the Gemara. The point of the Gemara is that uh, Betzalel had a kasha on Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, if we were thinking about what's so smart about, about Betzalel, he was an engineer, or he was a craftsman, or he's an artisan, and he knew them. So maybe there weren't too many of them. Maybe it was hard to find them, but it was not like a mysterious kind of, of, of knowledge or talent that he had. He knew how to do something. Okay, he knew how to do something. And Moshe Rabbein did know how to do that. Okay, we already saw that Solecha is a problem, is problematic. But let's say that he knows how to do something, Moshe Rabbein does not know how to do that. Something so, so, so remarkable. There's something so outstanding, but here the Gemara says, no, you don't understand what's really going on. There's a story behind the story, which proves that the Tzalel was unique and special in regards to building the, 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 uh, the Mishka. Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Tzalel, build the Aron, and then build the Mishkan. Aron, the Kalim Mishkan. And the Tzalel asked the Kasha, 
Nobody had that ability. Nobody could <coughs> ask Moshe Rabbeinu a kasher. Everything came from heaven to Moshe Rabbeinu. He knew what God wanted. How could you ask a kasher? But B'Tzalel, he asked a kasher. Not, uh, he wasn't a, a, a revolutionary. He wasn't trying to start a new political party. He wasn't trying to do something that was unacceptable. Quite the contrary. He did what we could call the essence of Torah Shabbat Peh. If you've ever learned a page of Gemara, even less than a page of Gemara, you know that what happens on the page of the Gemara is that there's a question about everything. There's always a question. There's never anything that rests in peace. There's always a question. You say, who's the first questioner? Who's the first questioner? Who is it? Bitzalel ben Uri ben Chul I went to Moshe Rabbeinu, he said, listen, everybody builds a house and then puts, builds the stuff that you put in it. Why are you telling me to build the Aron first? Why are you telling me to build the Aron first? And this the Gemara says, the Gemara says, and not only that, but the Gemara says that what did God say to Moshe Rabbeinu? First build the Mishkan, and then build the Aron. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say on his own? Build the Aron first. What did Betalel say? What do you mean? That's crazy. I have a kasha. I don't understand it. Amalo. Amarlo, uh, so finally he said to him, Moshe Rabbeinu min agoshel adam shel olam, adam b'nei b'ayit v'chachem b'chlis l'tocho keilim, v'tohom me'asel ha'aron v'keilim u'mishkan, keilim sh'ani oseh le'chan achliseim. So B'tzalon says, I'm going to make you, I'll make keilim, where will I put them? How can I make keilim and just leave them out here in the wilderness with no, without a, without a place? Sheva kachem alecha kodesh baruchu, Asay Mishkan, Aaron, Mikhailim. Amalo, so Moshe Rabbeinu says to him, Shema Betzel Kel Ayita Viadati. Maybe the name Betzalel comes from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu recognized the fact that he was Betzel Kel. Shade, what? What is he? I didn't hear you. That he, Betzal, the name Betzalel. It's a combination of two words. Betzel, Betzel is shade. Kel is God. You're in the shade of God. You knew something that Moshe Rabbeinu tried to hide. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, make the Mishkan first. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, let's make the Aron first. And Betzel said, that's crazy. You got to make the Mishkan first. You, gotta, you have to make the Mishkan first. And so they called him B'tzalel. That's what the Pesach says. Remember the first Pesach that we saw? Ruh Karasi B'Shei. What does Ruh Karasi B'Shei mean? I called out his name. And it was like I named him. He was named B'tzalel because of something wondrous that happened. Something wondrous that happened. What was the wondrous thing that happened? That he called out Moshe Rabbeinu. He said, there's something wrong with what you're telling us, Moshe Rabbeinu. So in which case we have left with the question, what question we left with? So how come Moshe Rabbeinu did it? Then why did Moshe Rabbeinu? What? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu knew that? Yeah, so why did he change it? Right, I mean, 
Mordechai Shochef Betzalel was Betzel Kel, and he knew that uh, you should build the Bishkan before you build the Kalim. So that's what God told Moshe Rabbeinu. So why did Moshe Rabbeinu change it? Test him. Huh? Testing him? Okay, test him. Ah, test. No, I don't go for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough trouble. <laughs> so I wanted to learn a little of the pre-Sadiq, but uh, I'm going to tell you something that, uh, I mean, if you want to learn the pre-Sadiq on your own, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a category of mitzvot, you know, the basic categories of mitzvot are Doraita and the Rabbanan, right? Doraita and Rabbanan. Doraita usually means there's a, uh, a reference in the Torah, Shebuchtah. It's written in the Torah. And Rabbanan means that it's a, a secondary conclusion that the Rabbanan come from, come to. And that in history, the Drabanan is later than the Doraita. The Doraita comes from Har Sinai, right? That's what the Torah tells us to do. And the Drabanans come over a long period of time. But there's a third category that, uh, that I'm sure you know. And that's called Halacha the Moshe Sinai. There's a category, Halacha, uh, which we learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu taught us the Torah. So there were times he told us that here's another mitzvah. Here's another mitzvah, for example, a mitzvah that's not written in the Torah, it's like the mitzvah of Arova, at Sukkot. Right, you take, remember you take an Arova and you whack away at it? So that was not the mitzvah. The mitzvah was that in the Beit HaMikdash, they used to take the Arava, they take long Arava branches, the Kohanim, this is what Rashi says, the Kohanim took long Arava branches like they were, four meters high at least, and they'd walk with them around the Mizbeach and then lean them against the Mizbeach. That's how they did the mitzvah, the mitzvah of Arava. They did it all the seven days in the Beit HaMikdash. They did it all seven days in the Beit HaMikdash and that's called, that's called the Mitzvat Nevi'im. Mitzvat Nevi'im. It was like the Nevi'im said, it's also in the Torah. I mean, you don't see it, but it's there someplace. So, halacha the Moshe Sinai, halacha Moshe is a halacha that Moshe Rabbeinu taught us that's not connected to a pasuk in the Torah. It's not connected to a pasuk in the Torah. Okay? So now you now remember that. Moshe Rabbeinu went up at Har Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu went up at Har Sinai. First time. And he received the Torah. He received the Torah. He went up the second time. He received the Torah again. Was there a difference between the first time and the second time? So the, the Gemara says, and uh, a lot of the Mephoshim say, that the first time Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah, he received it with a kind of clarity, where there was no distinction between, between Doraita and Rabbanah. There was no distinction. You know that, that the Chazal said this curious thing, they said that the Avot kept all of the mitzvot, including mitzvot like Eruv and Eruv Tavshilin. They said, like, how could they, what did they think? What do you mean? That there was no Torah. There was no Torah Shemichdav. There was no Torah Shemalpeh. So how could they teach? They keep all the, 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 the mitzvot to Rabbanan. So the, the answer might be that they had an intuition it was all clear to them, the avot. 
That's what the Chazal tried to say. It was very clear to them what it was that God wants of us. And that that clarity, that clarity, uh, uh, it, 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 uh, it ended the distinction between the right and Rabbanan. There was not, no, no distinction. There was only the right thing to do and the wrong thing to avoid. That's all there was. There was no Doraita and Rabbanan. So when Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai the first time, he received the Torah with the great clarity that came to him, which enabled him to understand, to know, to, to appreciate that the Torah consists of Doraita and the Rabbanan, but there's no difference between them. It's all the same. They're all the same, and that's why Rashi quotes at the end of the Pasha Mishpatim, Rashi quotes this idea that Rav Sadyagon said that all of the Torah Shebikhtav, all the Torah is in the Aseret HaDibrot, somehow, that they all, every Diber of the Aseret HaDibrot is a category. And that category includes a lot of mitzvot. That means that, that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was up on Har Sinai and received the Aseret HaDibrot, he received everything. He received everything. Everything was known to him. Everything was clear to him. But when he came down from the mountain, he had to break those luchot. He had to break those luchot because there was no one to give them to. They were all singing and dancing and running around with the, with the golden calf. And there was no one to give the luchot to. The second time Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai, apparently, there was then a distinction. It was like, it's not all the same. There's going to be Doraita, there's going to be Drabanan. It'll be, it'll be something that B'nai Yisrael are going to have to learn. They're going to have to understand. So now you have two worlds. There's the world of the Luchot HaRishonim, the world of Luchot HaRishonim, which is total comprehension. Moshe Veda knows exactly what God wants at every moment. There's really no distinction between Doraita and Drabanan. And that's why we have that residual, we have that halakha Moshe misinai. Halakha Moshe misinai means that for Moshe Rabbeinu it's all God's word. It's all Torah. There's, no, there's nothing else. There's no, other, there's no other reality. There's no other reality. So, B'Tzalel, uh, B'Tzalel on the other hand, he, he's a person who has a, a thought process. He has a svarah. He doesn't take authority on the face of it. He says, it can't be. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu, it can't be. So the story has to be retold as follows. Story that we're talking about has to be retold as follows. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, talk about the Mishkan, right? According to the Gemara, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, what do you build first? Important to remember that. What? Mishkan. First you build the Mishkan. Mishkan meaning the building. First you build the building. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Moshe Rabbeinu said to himself, he says, no, I know what it really is. I know what it really is. What is it really? It's a place where we put the Aron Ha'edut. That's what the Mishkan is. It's not a building. It's a place where we put the Aron Ha'edut in which we have the Torah, the Luchot, and we also have the broken Luchot. The broken Luchot from the first time I was up at Har Sinai. And what does that all, all mean? It means that I, I know the essence of it. 
I know the real of it, not just the secondary nature of it. There is secondarily, you have to build the house before you build the Aron because that's normal, that's regular. But if you understand what the Mishkan is really about, as Moshe Rabbeinu understood it, you know that the Mishkan is really for the Aron. It's really for that box that includes the Luchot, the broken ones and the unbroken ones. And so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu said, for me, the Mishkan is the Aron. So when he went and he talked to Bitzalel, he said to Bitzalel, so you have this story, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Mishkan. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, you know, again, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, build the Mishkan first, before you build anything else. And God, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, that's okay, I, I understand what God is saying, and it makes sense for B'nai Yisrael, but it doesn't make sense for me. For me, there's only the Luchot Ha'idut. There's only, there's only the broken tablets and the whole tablets that I broke down from Arsene. That's all there is. There isn't anything else. And therefore, when he spoke to B'Tzalem, he spoke his mind, so to speak. He spoke in the only language he could say, he could speak. And he said, build on our own. He said, build on our own. B'Tzalem, B'Tzalem lived in the world of Torah Shabal Peh. And what is Torah Shabal Peh? Torah is, I'm not sure. Are you sure you're right? What does anybody else say? How do I explain that? I mean, that's the world of Torah So Bitzala said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, remarkably, he says, look, Moshe Rabbeinu, I live in a world where there are questions. I live in a world where things are not obvious. You say I should build an ark, but isn't it true that people build a house before they build the kalim that they put into that? Isn't that true, Moshe Rabbeinu? And Moshe Rabbeinu didn't respond, but he said, ah, you, Betzalel, represent Betzalel, the shade of God. You somehow figured out what God wants of you, but that does not contradict really what I said, because for me, for me, the Mishkan is the Aron. So if you ask me after this little uh, speech that I made, if you ask me, so why did we need B'tzalel? Or why did you need somebody to help Moshe Rabbeinu build the ark? Is it because Moshe Rabbeinu would never have built the ark? He would never have gone past the Aron. He was not capable of saying that there was a new reality, that there was a new Torah, that the Torah now had questions and answers, the Torah Shabbat Peh. For, for, for Moshe Rabbeinu, everything was halacha Moshe Sinai. It didn't matter if anybody else saw it in the Pasuk. He saw it. And therefore, for Moshe Rabbeinu, there would only be an Aron. And that's all that they needed, and that's what they wanted. And so HaKadosh Baruch had to appoint somebody who, on certain ways, was equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, who would build the Mishkan as it was needed after the Chaita Egel, after this terrible event of, uh, of the Chaita Egel. Have a good Shabbos. It's interesting because we yeah. see in Varim, in Varim that uh, 